0: You're listening to 106.9 Tune FM. Um, I'm James, and I'm joined in the studio today by Professor Dr. Thomas Fudge um, from here at the university. How are you today, Professor?
1: Or Very well, thank you, James. Nice to be here.
0: Yeah, thank you for coming. Um, I just brought you in to have a bit of a chat about Notre Dame, um, which has been on fire overnight. Um, it's a tragic loss, really. Um, what? Have you ever
1: been to Notre Dame? Yes, I've been in Notre Dame Cathedral several times, and of course to Paris at large many more times. Very good. Um, what
0: are some of the features of the cathedral that were particularly striking to you when you saw it?
1: Notre Dame Cathedral is a particularly not only famous but important church in Christendom. They started construction in the mid-12th century, so first of all we're talking about a church that's eight and a half centuries old at this point. Uh, Several things that are unique about it. It's one of the quintessential Gothic structures. It's particularly unique carrying on from the previous Romanesque style. You look at things like the flying buttresses that you see springing out from the cathedral. We can't say they're the oldest examples of flying buttresses but certainly among the oldest the height of the towers, the bells, the spire, which would date again to the 12th or the 13th century. The roof, particularly uh, one of the old wood timber frames. And those frames that are in the roof of the cathedral were made from trees that were cut down in the 12th or the 13th century. So these are really old. The windows, Notre Dame Cathedral has some of the most magnificent windows in all of Christendom. There's three rose windows, for example, at the back of the church. The biggest one is 32 feet across. And unfortunately stained glass would be extremely vulnerable to heat and fire. And while I'm not an expert on fire, and I don't know the extent of the damage the Cathedral has suffered to this point, I would be extremely surprised if the windows in fact survive. The organ would be another particularly vulnerable item in the cathedral. The early organ dates back to the early 15th century. Now the organ would have been rebuilt many times through the years but some of the pipes in the organ actually are still medieval and once again I have some great concerns about the heat and the fire and the effect that this would have on the cathedral or on the organ itself. Some other things that are in the cathedral, there's some magnificent art. There could be 70 or 80 huge paintings, many of them 17th century of saints and religious depictions. Once again, uh, we don't know the fate of that. And the other thing that springs to mind are the relics in the cathedral. There are several that I'm aware of, there's parts of the crown of thorns, which apparently was put on the head of Christ when he was crucified. Uh, There's a holy nail, apparently one of the nails that uh, nailed Christ to the cross, and then apparently, or so it is claimed, there's a fragment of the true cross. Now there's a lot of these fragments scattered around Christendom, but Notre Dame Cathedral claims to have one of them. Where these items are, if they were rescued, if they're in danger, uh, of course, is not known to me, but these would be some of the items that immediately spring to my mind that a devastating fire would potentially seriously uh, impair or if not destroy.
0: Well, um, yeah, I was reading on the news that there were twelve statues that were removed just last week as part of the renovations uh-huh. for. Yes, which was quite lucky. I believe they were the Twelve
1: Apostles. Right. Uh, Something else, mentioning the statues that occurs to me and is something that's been of interest to me in my teaching and research, are the carvings on the outside of the church. The gargoyles, the chimeras. Now, these are not medieval. Uh, These were replaced in the 19th century, but they were built upon models that go back anyone who's been to Notre Dame who's climbed up in the towers for that wonderful view of Paris will remember some of those famous gargoyles and once again um, they may be lost though of course they could be replaced but it's not quite the same
0: no. Um, Do you think that they will attempt to rebuild or repair the cathedral?
1: Oh I should think so Um, Notre Dame Cathedral is one of the iconic churches in Christendom I think it's safe to say it's uh, one of those emblems that would be the heart of France certainly of Paris and in terms of Christendom Christianity is still though being challenged by Islam still numerically the largest religion in the world France is predominantly Catholic Notre Dame is just such a significant church that I would see it being repaired and even rebuilt if the damage is that substantial.
0: Wow! Yeah. Um, so you were chatting a bit about how important it is. How do you think this will affect the people of Paris?
1: Well it's interesting James that this fire has occurred during Holy Week. Hmm. Holy Week in the Christian liturgical calendar the week before Easter uh, is the time in the Christian faith where Christ is crucified, he dies, he is buried, he rises from the dead, and that of course takes us up to Easter Sunday, which is just a few days away. And the resurrection of Jesus, as it were, as a symbolic tenet of the Christian faith is now to be juxtaposed with the significant damage, if not destruction, of Notre Dame Cathedral, many people would have been planning to go to Notre Dame for Easter Sunday for Mass. Uh, There wouldn't be a seat left normally. Where are they going to go on Sunday? Yes, they can go to many other churches in Paris, but it's not the same. Uh, A cathedral, I should have said earlier on, is not just a big church. A cathedral is the seat of a bishop. So you could have a cathedral that's very small. That's where the bishop is resident and so the Bishop of Paris, that's his seat. And so Easter Mass on Sunday this week would be a significant event for Christians in Paris and in France. This has to be devastating to see this great cathedral uh, wrecked or there certainly isn't going to be any mass said or sung In the cathedral this Sunday. So I think a psychological, a spiritual uh, gloom will impact millions of people in France and around the world.
0: Well, um, yeah. um, What are some major events that have happened at Notre Dame, just into the history of the place?
1: Sure. The cathedral, as you probably know, James, is built on an island in the river. And that island was the center of medieval Paris before the great city we now know grew up around it. As I mentioned, the cathedral was started in the mid-12th century. So there's things that happened in and around Notre Dame Cathedral over the last eight and a half centuries. Now if we go all the way back, we have the wonderful story of Peter Abelard and Eloise, these profoundly significant French intellectual thinkers, religious personalities who were there before Notre Dame was begun. Uh, Right at the end of particularly Eloise's life is when they would have started building. So you have the cathedral schools movement, Abelard being one of the masters there. That's certainly significant. The establishment of the Sorbonne, as it's called the Faculty of Theology which is a medieval foundation which comes up all the time in the study of medieval intellectual thought because the theology faculty wielded enormous influence frequently consulted. Uh, I could tell you about the suppression of heresy in that area in the Middle Ages uh, the decisions and decrees that were passed down uh, if we come forward a little bit further in time, Notre Dame was uh, invaded and sacked during the French Revolution. So there was deliberate looting of the cathedral, and it survived. Uh, if we come up to the 19th century, two things to mention which will appeal perhaps to a wide range of listeners. In 1804, Napoleon chose to be crowned in Notre Dame Cathedral, which it was not at that time quite the glorious place that it would become, given that it was right there on on the back end of the French Revolution. And a bit later, you'll recall the Victor Hugo novel, widely read, made into many film adaptations, Quasimodo, The Hunchback, and all of those sorts of things. He's the bell ringer and these wonderful bells that are in Notre Dame, which again could be under threat because of the fire. It then survived the indiscriminate bombing during World War II in which we know that many wonderfully important and historic structures throughout Europe were either targeted or were shall we say collateral damage during the bombing. Notre Dame survives which makes what's happening today in France all the more poignant that From what we've heard so far, we don't know the origin of the fire, but it could simply be uh, something related to the ongoing renovation as as opposed to a deliberate act of arson. But those are some of the few things uh, throughout the history of Notre Dame. Oh, I could mention that uh, the rehabilitation of Joan of Arc. Recall she was burned as a heretic uh, in 1431, was rehabilitated in 1456, and then was made a saint in 1920. And that was occasioned at the Cathedral of Notre Dame in 1920.
0: Wow. Yeah, that's that's a lot that's happened there.
1: Yes, absolutely. (laughs)
0: Um, Let me just check. I had some notes, and I've lost track of most of them. So you were mentioning Abelard and Heloise, um, how they were some of the major people in the time when it was built. What else can you tell us about the era when it was built?
1: Well, 12th century France, I mentioned that uh, the cathedral is an example of Gothic architecture. Now, for students of art history and architecture, you will know that moving out of the Romanesque period into the Gothic, which will later give way to the Baroque. The Gothic is the period of the cathedrals. These soaring buildings, the, the high ceilings, the, uh, the more sleek look. Uh, it's the time of Abbot Suger, who, for example, was one of the great enemies of Peter Abelard. And he's thought of as the father of Gothic architecture. And so the Church of Saint Denis which used to be outside of Paris, but now is encompassed within uh, Paris itself. That's at that time uh, Bernard of Clairvaux. Again, an enemy of Peter Abelard, the preacher of the Second Crusade, one of the great monastic and spiritual figures in the history of Christendom. He's active in the 12th century. Uh, There's a whole host of things going on. It's the time of the Crusades. The Second Crusade in the 1140s is just before the building of Notre Dame. The Third Crusade will come during the period of construction. We've got papal animosity. The church is evolving, developing. There's a lot of interesting philosophy and theology being developed and written. And all of those comments now brings to mind that term that historians invented. Century or more ago, the 12th century Renaissance. And we often think of the Renaissance as the 15th century in Italy, but actually the 12th century Renaissance, and I would put Notre Dame Cathedral as not only a building but an institution and as part of an ethos, symbolizes that whole 12th century wherein Europe takes, I would want to say, cautiously a broad step forward. It wasn't all glory, there was some gloom, but I think it's a time in history for the medievalist at least, where we can identify a major step forward in the evolution of medieval thought and medieval culture.
0: Hmm. Um, Yeah, thank you. Um, You're you're a lecturer in medieval history, among other things here at the University of New England. Mm -hmm. You're on sabbatical at the moment. Would you like to tell us a bit about what you're researching?
1: Okay, yes, I'm on sabbatical, so I had to readjust my thinking when you contacted me an hour or so ago to talk about Notre Dame. I have been the past uh, two months, since I started my 12-month sabbatical, working on a Latin chronicle, which was written in the 1420s and 30s, so just a bit later than the period we've been speaking of. It's a chronicle of about 59,000 words in length, uh, 90% of it in Medieval Latin and the other 10% in Czech, and uh, the translation of this is now 99% completed. I'm going to talk to one of my Latin colleagues in the next few days on a few technical points that have escaped my competence, and uh, I've been doing the critical apparatus. I've uh, studied manuscripts in Copenhagen and Prague and looked at previous editions. This will be the first in English so the book itself with my lengthy introduction which I was reading when you uh, uh, got hold of me this morning will probably result in a book of about 125,000 words in length including the first ever complete English translation of this important Latin Chronicle which deals with the Hussite Revolution, which, as you probably know, James, is one of my uh, topics of interest. And this volume will also be foundational for the second part of my sabbatical, which is a monograph on the Hussite Crusades, which took place between 1420 and 1431. So that's the essence of what I'm hoping to achieve during my sabbatical.
0: That sounds very interesting. Yeah. Thank you for taking the time to come and talk to us today.
1: Thank you, James.
0: Um, You're listening to 106.9 Tune FM. I'm James. I was just talking to um, Professor Dr. Thomas Fudge. And, um, yeah, hope you have a great afternoon. Uh, We'll get back to the music.